And uh, would you take your Bible, head over to Ephesians. We're going to jump right into our study. And uh, I am excited and equal parts sad to be done with 2023's theme. Uh, I are theme this last year, for those of you who've been around for a little bit, uh, it has been the church. And we have spent a huge amount of time um, this last year focusing, emphasizing, learning, restructuring our view of this beautiful thing that Jesus started called the local church. And uh, some of you, you're brand new this year and you might have missed the first part of the year. Uh, we really went back and tried to understand the concept of church. You understand in the beginning when Jesus was here, the, the all of society did not know what church is. To you and I, it's, you know, we, we may have grown up in church or had some, uh, in America, we have some understanding of what a church is. But to a first century believer, Church was a brand new prospect and a brand new concept. And so at the beginning of our year, this last year, we spent a bunch of time going through what Jesus taught us about the church, that the church is a family, that the church is a body, uh, that the church has many members and not all the same giftings. And we unpacked a bunch of different things about the church. And let me just say, one of the reasons I'm sad to leave the topic, and we'll certainly discuss it this next year, but one of the reasons I'm sad to leave the topic is I love church. I, I absolutely, I'm a, you know, like some people collect like baseball cards. Like if there was a baseball card for church, I would have it. I love church. I particularly love Faith Baptist Church. Church. I love everything about church, and I love the smell of church, even when it smells weird sometimes. And uh, we had a missionary come in. I probably shouldn't tell you this. We, I thought I smelled smoke. Um, Brother Matt Stinsis, so you can judge him, okay? Uh, he came in on a Monday. We were going to have a meeting with our staff that day, and he came in, and I thought I smelled like, you know, gas or something. And so I'm smelling it. I asked Brother Hunter, so you smell anything? He's like, no, I don't smell anything. And then Brother Stinsis comes in. I was like, do you smell anything weird? He says, yeah, yeah, I do. I was like, what are you getting? And he said, hamster. So I don't know what that says about us, but apparently it smelled like a hamster that particular day. But I love church. I love the smell of church. I love moving chairs. It's like an art to try to get, you know, the, the auditorium organized. I love church buildings. I love church people. I've given my life to the service of the bride of Jesus. I love, I'm a fanboy of church. I love singing. I love testimonies. I love fellowship. I love preaching. Uh, and this thing called church, if you really think about it, we talked about this a bit. Most of the sermon this morning, we're going to be doing some review of what we learned and studied last year. Uh, just to recap some things, because we want to go forward this year. We want to advance with some of those same topics fully intact and fully in the, the front of our mind. And so this thing called church, when you, when you consider it at a very base level, it's pretty wild of an idea, but it is God's idea. The idea of church is that a bunch of people who got saved by the grace of Jesus, but still have flesh, gather together on a weekly and even more than that basis so that they might worship their God. What an awesome idea. What a difficult idea, right? Sometimes our schedules don't allow for our gathering. Sometimes our spirit doesn't want to worship. But we gather so we can learn the word of God, so we can be equipped, so we can be perfected as saints for the work of the ministry, so we could go out and accomplish the will of God. And a huge portion of that happens inside of the doors of a local church. What an awesome idea, but what a crazy idea, right? That that would even work. Conceivably, that that would even work, right? You think about just social clubs and, and or music bands, right? You get a bunch of people together for a long enough time to get on each other's nerves right? They can rub each other the wrong way. 28 years in the same place, worshiping God in the same house of God with the same saints of God as new people are added and old people leave. Isn't that such a strange concept that wouldn't really work except for it's God's idea? Except for God ordained the thing called church in the saint's life. 
God built a church for you and I. We saw it in Hebrews chapter 12. We don't have time to go back in it, but the Bible talks about how we as Christians have a new access to God, that we're invited into the, the hill of Zion and into the assembly of God, the church. What a privilege to have a group of believers who loves each other, looks out for each other, and, and is a community around the same morals and ideas. And it works if it's done correctly. And we spent a lot of time this last year trying to understand what exactly that looks like. If a church can stay on mission and a church can work the works that it's been given, then church is going to work if we do it God's way. If the church will follow the headship of Jesus Christ, it'll go on to accomplish amazing things. Now, this entire last year, we spent all year, 2023, trying to understand the responsibilities of the church. Where did my water go? Oh, I can't reach it. Oh, I got it. I really am very immobile. So even getting water is a little bit difficult. You pray for my back. I will. I said it in Sunday school. I'm going to do my very best not to be distracted or distracting. So you just kind of look right past it, okay? I'm, the, uh, I'm past 35, so lifting is not what it used to be, and recovery time is not what it used to be. I, I threw my back out pretty bad, so forgive me for that. So we spent all of last year chasing down the responsibilities of the church. We spent a lot of time trying to understand what Jesus says the church's job is, and what the church's job is not. In fact, last year, we worked out five core responsibilities of Faith Baptist Church. And uh, we hope to, to put some of those up. Actually, all five of those up in the back. The budget didn't allow for it. I'm hoping this next year to put those five core, core values up. I want to keep those in front of us. I want to strive for those things. And this morning, my hope and desire is to remind you of those things. As we've looked at them this last year in 2023, if you're, if you're, if you're observant at all, you've probably seen some pretty big paradigm shifts in our church as it relates to missions, as it relates to the mission of Faith Baptist Church. We didn't just lip service as we studied through the Bible and found God telling the church, this is your job and this is your job. We didn't just say, okay, cool, we're gonna continue business as usual. There were some things, or there, rather I should say it this way, there are some things that used to be a part of Faith Baptist Church that aren't a part of Faith Baptist Church. Some things we did that we don't do anymore, some things we weren't doing that we now desire and strive to do. And I know that that's kind of uncomfortable and it was uncomfortable for me and uncomfortable for our church at the same time. But there are some things our church had to offload and some responsibilities we had to onboard and really drive after and lean into. And so one of the early ideas that we saw last year that I want to reintroduce this morning is that no church can be excellent in every area. No individual can be excellent in every single area. Uh, there are only so many hours in a day and only so many hours in a week and only so many services in a year that a church better be doing what God told it to do if it's going to do those things well. And it's easy to get off mission. It's easy to focus on things Jesus didn't tell the church to do when the reality is the church ought to be tenacious, ferocious about defending the things it was given to do and doing those things extremely well. D.L. Moody gave us an incredible statement years and years ago, a preacher of yesteryear. He said this, and we've heard this quote, but it was all the way back, I think, in February of last year. Here's the quote. D.L. Moody said, Our greatest fear should not be failure, but rather succeeding at something that doesn't really matter. Imagine spending all of your effort and all of your ability and all of your money building something that falls apart. Imagine training your child to become so proficient at throwing a ball that they die and go to hell. Imagine a church spending its effort and its time and its Sunday services doing something and excelling at something it wasn't even told to do. And there are many, many churches that fall into that category. 
What a tragedy for the church, the institution that Christ chose to accomplish some of the most important tasks given to living and breathing human beings. What a tragedy for it to get really, really good at something it was never asked to do. To get really, really good at something that wasn't even its responsibility at the neglect of that which is its responsibility. So we did some heart searching and some heart surgery this last year, examining and observing and trying to understand, here's what God says we have to do and ought to do really, really well. Our hope last year was to direct our church's efforts and actions and abilities and accomplishments into the most important tasks that we have been given. And listen, I hate the term because undoubtedly someone's going to hear it and misappropriate it or misuse it. But this term, it's not just a church term. It's more actually a corporate term. The term is decisional negligence. Whether we realize it or not, we all decide what doesn't get done. It's just part of how it works. You only have Monday morning, tomorrow, from 6 a.m. to 7 a.m. to do one thing. Now, you could split it up, but, but let's just let's look at it in whole hours. You can only be doing one thing during that time. And so by deciding, hey, I'm going to sleep in, well, you've decided to neglect everything else. Whether you like it or not, you've decided to neglect something. We all do it. There's nothing inherently evil about it. It's just part of how it works. And a church only has Sunday, uh, Sunday at 11 a.m., uh, the 7th of the 2024th year, one time. And we can only spend it doing really one thing. And it only has one Saturday this week. And it only has one Monday. And you only have one week this first week of 2024. And what are you assigning yourself to do? Now, again, that's more of on an individual level. But on a church and a corporate level, we as a church do decide what gets left undone. And there are a lot of churches, and I'm not picking on any of them. I just want to make sure our church isn't. There are a lot of churches who spend their services and spend their efforts and spend their monies and their resources and their most gifted people on accomplishing things God never told the church to do at the expense of that which God has told us to do. And so with this church, there are just some things that we've discovered and discussed and even voted on and and converse through and discuss this last year that, hey, this is not going to be the job of the church because the job of the church is such a great responsibility. And I think about this, one of the other big truths that kind of really sunk into my heart and head this year is the sufficiency of the church, that God chose the church to reach the world. God chose the church for the things we're going to look at again this morning, and he gave the church those jobs, and the church ought to be striving to be incredibly efficient and effective in those particular jobs. But again, one of the things God worked in my heart this year is that, you know, within the four walls of Faith Baptist Church exist enough for us to do the job gave us. Listen, if God called these parents to raise these kids, then they have enough that's needed to raise these kids. And if God called Faith Baptist Church to go to the uttermost, and God called Faith Baptist Church to bring him glory, some of these things you'll recognize, right? If God called the church to lift up the word of God, then he gave the church enough giftings and people and finances and resources to do what he called us to do, the sufficiency of the local church. All we have to do, though, is actually engage them. And that's one of the hardest parts, right? From the pulpit, all I can do is call you to it. I can call you to giving your life for global evangelism, but I cannot make you do it, right? I can call our church to learn how to handle the word of God so they can preach the word of God and share the word of God and be effective at doing so, but I cannot make the congregation of God do that. I was speaking with somebody recently on the phone and I made the statement and, and it's just so true. There's oftentimes a difference between the church we want to be and the church that we are, right? It's just, you know, I, I wish we were a wealthy church, <laughs> right? We're not. 
but who we are, God is, it's sufficient for us to move forward, right? I want to be, you know, the church that can send a hundred missionaries a year, but we're not there. But we ought to be striving to be the church that can send missionaries, right? We ought to be striving to be the church that can do some of these incredibly significant things God has assigned us to. So, like I mentioned, for the first eight months of the year, we were learning the priorities of Faith Baptist Church. And uh, we're going to take a look this morning back at those five things. And like I said, hopefully the beginning, uh, uh, within the next month or so, I'd like to have these five truths up there because I want to keep them in front of us. It's not just an annual theme from 2023. This is something I want our church to strive after. I want it in every Sunday school class. I want us to see it and to go after these five important responsibilities God has given the church to do. Now, this morning, we need to review so that we can focus for this next year. It's not that I just didn't have anything to preach and, you know, couldn't study and whatnot. I had this message written before anything happened to me at the end of the week. This is a message I want us to take a moment and review because next year we want to advance. Next year, we want to go forward. We don't want to just, hey, do this really well. Now let's start completely from the ground up. No, we need to review and understand so we can march forward and advance for the cause of Christ. Let me say this about Vision Sunday next week. I, and I know I say it about a lot of things. I, I, I do love it. I love the gift and responsibility God has given to lead the church. Uh, and, and that's a job that God has given to me and to our pastoral staff and our leadership team. But to lead the church forward into deeper, more biblical emphasis. You understand that's like the primary job of the pastor? right? That, that, preaching is part of pastoring, but we have other preachers in our church, right? But the idea of leading the church, thus saith the Lord church, we're going this way. That's a huge responsibility, but it's a gift to be able to study and look into the Bible and say, hey, in 2024, this is where we're going. In 2024, we're going to advance for the cause of Christ. We're going we're gonna to chase down these things. We're going to try to go and do these things. And again, you can be unwilling participants, and this is going to get weird, or you can throw your hat all the way in and say, you know what? If God put it in our pastor's heart and in our church direction, I'm in, I'm going, we're going to go. Because again, anybody can critique. Anybody can find a flaw. Anybody can repaint. Well, we're going to this because of this. No, no, no. Let's just follow what Jesus has put in front of us. And all these things are going to be built off of what we've talked about already this year as we move forward. But don't miss next year's theme. You also get a really cool calendar, okay? And uh, we've got a calendar we've, I've never seen. We, it, it's going to be awesome. I don't want to talk too much about it. You'll get it next week. It'll be in a little gift bag. It's going to be cool. You're going to enjoy it. It's not a magnet, okay? Uh, my wife's like, please, not another magnet. And uh, we've had like 15 magnets last year and the year before. So you're welcome. If you don't like the calendar, you can blame my wife. It would have been a calendar if I had my say. So anyway, but my observation is when you look at the annual theme, hasn't God always met with us? In so many ways, when we look at like even in COVID, right? Our, our, our theme was simplify, right? We knew it before everybody else knew it, right? We were trying to bring it and simplify it before everybody else was. We think about just all the different directions. We had no idea what God would do in our missions conference, and yet we were focusing on the church. And you see how beautiful those things fit together? And I believe after much prayer that God has a specific direction for our church next year. It's not anything new. It's not birthed out of my heart. It's straight from the scripture. It's the call of God on every church. We should be doing, and I think we were doing it this last year and years before, but we really want to emphasize. Because here's the thing, where you sow an emphasis, you're going to reap a harvest. If we sow an emphasis on, on going forward for the cause of Christ, or we sow an emphasis on missions, we're going to reap a harvest there, right? We sow an emphasis on soul winning, we're going to reap a harvest there. We sow an emphasis on giving, we're going to reap a harvest there. And all Vision Sunday is, it's not some man-made thing where I sit in a, you know, a closet and get some special word from God. It's just an emphasis. Just like we tried to emphasize the church this year so that we could learn and we could grow in these particular areas. And so every year God has used it, and I want to encourage you to be back next week. But before we go this morning, I want to take some time and lean back in to the five areas of excellence that Faith Baptist Church ought to strive for. And this, again, is not just true of 2023. It ought to be true of 2024. The word excellent, the definition for it, means to be outstanding, 
to excel above. Because again, we, there are so many good things a church can be doing. There are so many awesome responsibilities that a church can be doing. But there are only so many things that God told the church, you have to do this. You absolutely exist for this purpose. And I want to lean back into those. Because again, some of you are brand new and you weren't here for the first couple months. I want to review this. And for those of you who've been around, I want us to reestablish this so we can go forward in the next year. Now, once you go to Ephesians chapter number three, verse 21, we're going to look at our first of five this morning. And if you know it, hopefully you do. We tried to preach on it a bunch this last year. And so some of you will recognize some of these truths. Some of you, like I said, it'll be brand new for you. But number one, the church exists primarily. And if it was the only one, it would be exclusively. But the church exists for the glory of God. What happens at Faith Baptist Church is supposed to lift Jesus up above anybody else. I want to say in spite of everybody else. I want to say the church doesn't exist to elevate any person, right? There's equality at the foot of the cross. The only person elevated at Faith Baptist Church ought to be Jesus Christ himself. What a privilege to be able to have that opportunity to glorify God. Ephesians chapter three, verse 21 says this, unto him be, would you read it out loud? Glory, read the next three words, in the, listen, the the football game's happening today. There'll be very little glory for God available. Some athlete might score a touchdown while he's skipping church and he'll point up and, oh man, look at that. You know, God's far more interested in the widow woman praying to Jesus during the invitation than he is about some athlete, you know, with John 3.16 on the bottom of his shoes. What a place to put that too. God is more interested in glory in the church. Notice what it says. Unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages. So, hey, that means in the first century when Ephesians was written, in that age, Jesus deserved glory. And you know what that means for 2023 and 2024? In this age today, in the church should exist glory for God, world without end. Amen. If the church could accomplish just one thing, it wouldn't be soup kitchens. I think soup kitchens have their place. If the church could exist for one thing, it wouldn't be to paint and clean up the local park. Though I think maybe there's a time for that. If the church exists for one thing, it would be, now there are more things, but ultimately the one and the chief end of man and the church is to bring glory to God. Adam was breathed life. He was a lump of clay formed by the hands of God. And God breathed breath into him and man became a living soul. Why? So that he might glorify his creator. Listen to me, and this isn't part of my notes, but the reason Satan obviously came to earth and brought destruction and sin and so forth was because he wanted to steal the souls of men because men were supposed to bring glory to God. Now, understand if you're here and you're saved, he can't steal your soul. You're sealed forever in heaven, amen. But the fact of the matter is, he can take your life, Satan can take your life and all of its glory from God. He can get you out of church and upset and disgruntled and he can get you all the way on the sideline where you're no longer serving him and you're no longer bringing him glory. You won't die and go to hell. You're still a child of God, but you've lost your ability to give him glory. So that's always on the table, Christians. That's always our responsibility to guard. And as a church, corporately speaking, if there was just one thing we could do, it'd be to bring him glory. That's why he saved you. It's why he reformed you as a Christian so that you can be something that brings glory to your maker. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 says this, What know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God? You're not your own. You are bought with a price. Therefore, he says, you, you are lost. You are unsaved. And then you were bought with a price. The blood of Jesus paid your sin. Why? Therefore, what are you supposed to do once you've been bought? Glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. The chief end of man 
ought to be the glory of God. The glory of God, listen, let's get real practical down to your life and down to mine. The glory of God ought to be so utterly pervasive in every single facet of your life and mine. As a church, but not just in the church, but as the church, Jesus should receive glory in every area of our life. He deserves and expects that you bring glory to God in your home. That you bring glory to God in your marriage. That you bring glory to God in your workplace. Well, how can I do that? I don't know, get creative. Find a way to do it. Find a way to talk about the Lord and the goodness of God and, man, how he worked in your life and how he changed you. Uh, you don't have to stand up in the break room and preach every, every break, uh, but you do need to bring glory to God in all that you do, in your relationships with your neighbors, in your relationships with the kids on your soccer kid, you're the, the parents, the families that your kids play soccer with. They play basketball with this family. You ought to bring glory to God in that relationship. Every single area of your life and mine ought to be dedicated wholly to the glory of God, both in an individual level and on a corporate level. So again, I don't, I don't want to re-preach last week's message or take last week's structure, but in what areas are you going to bring glory to God this year? Maybe it's your giving, and you didn't bring glory to God last year, and you need to this year. Focus and re-emphasize that this year, because where you sow a harvest, uh, you'll, or rather where you sow an emphasis, you'll reap a harvest. Number one, the church exists to glorify and worship God. Number two, this will be a reminder for many of you, but new for some. The church exists to elevate and proclaim the word of God. Now, here's where I'm going to get a little, not sidetracked, but a little bit preachy. Churches are not a place of entertainment. You might have come and been like, yeah, but the church down the street was way more entertaining. You're right. But that's not what a church should be. I'm not saying church should be boring by any stretch. I really do work to try to put in sermons and we try to have like last Sunday night was so much fun. We had great memories. I hope to bring it back this next year. Uh, It was an awesome time. But church exists to glorify God and to preach the word. You come into church not to hear singing. Okay, I know that is the emphasis of our modern day, that worship is singing. Now, let me say this. Singing is a form of worship, but worship is so much more than singing. In fact, you look back before David, singing was not even a thing in the temple worship. Singing was completely secular. It wasn't even something that the church or the rather the the religious system of the Jews even pointed praise toward God. That was instituted under David and under Solomon. The singing is worship, but worship is so much more than that. You and I exist, and the church exists corporately to preach the word, not to entertain lost people. Think about it, and there's a reason these two are at the top. If the church could just do two things, I'd pick these two things. Notice what the Bible says in 1 Timothy. If you can go there with me real quick, 1 Timothy chapter 3. You'll get there, and I'll, I'll take a drink and catch my breath. 1 Timothy chapter 3. These are all verses, like I said, we saw at the beginning of the year. We walked through these five, and then we spent about a month and a half or two months on each of these five things. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse number 15, Paul is teaching Timothy, who is there uh, in uh, uh, Crete, uh, uh, establishing certain things, or not, forgive me, not Crete, I think he's in Ephesus, uh, establishing certain things in the church and so forth, and he's going to teach him, hey, the church is supposed to do these things. Look at verse 15, 1 Timothy 3. But if I tarry long, that thou may, uh, mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God. He's not talking about not running or not chewing gum. He's talking about how does the church work, which is the church of the living God, And notice what the church is supposed to do. The pillar and ground of the truth. So right now my arm is serving as a pillar. It is lifting up the word of God. And a a pillar and ground is a foundation upon which something is lifted up. The church is the ground and the pillar from which the word of God ought to be lifted to the church, to the world. Think about this. There are plenty of places you can go and be entertained, right? I mean, you can go over to one of these RC or one of these arcades, or you can go over and do some putt-putt, or you can go to the beach. You'll be wildly entertained. Why does the church adopt that model? 
The church exists to preach the word of God. That's like going to the dentist to get a candy bar. That's not what it's for. The church, the, the, the dentist is there to help you. It's there to tell you something's wrong. It's there to show you what is true and what you ought to be doing. Same thing with the doctor's office. It's not supposed to be a place like a social club where you just go have fun and your kids are really entertained. Man, it's got a super engaging youth group that never learns the Bible. That's not what the church is for. The church exists to preach the word of God. And if you're going or have gone to a place that is really fun and super engaging and everybody's super nice, I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I think some of those things are needed, but doesn't preach the word. What's the point of going? You find better entertainment staying home watching the football game, right? They have better graphics. Their singers are better. So what's the point? The church exists to preach the word of God. And I want you to look just real quick, and I don't, want to, I don't want to pat ourselves on the back, but I want you to show how, I want to show you and remind you how we emphasized this this last year. We didn't just lip service and preach a sermon and say, hey, we should, the church should do the word of God. This last year, we were so incredibly intentional to try to put together curriculum and opportunity to teach our church family how to handle the word of God. We had homiletics classes uh, for four months of the year. Uh, we, had, we had pastoral training classes on how to minister and how to handle the word of God. Women's classes, fundamentals of church classes. That wasn't by accident. We weren't just trying to fill the calendar. We were trying to do our job as a church. You say, I didn't know any of those things happened. And you missed it. This next year, we got homiletics too. We're going to go over on a Wednesday night and try to learn how to handle the word of God and write sermons and prepare to preach. Why? Because the church is supposed to do that. The church exists to teach God's people, to create an army of God's people who know how to handle this word, this word, not just hear this word. There are plenty of hearers in churches today. They're hearers of the word, but not doers of the word. They're hearers of the word, but not teachers of the word. And at what time you ought to be teachers, you have neither one teach you again. But the fact of the matter is God created the church, not just so that one guy got up and taught a bunch of people, but so that one guy got up and taught a bunch of people who could then teach a bunch of people who could then teach a bunch of people so Christianity could go forth and the world, the world be reached for the cause of Christ. Think about what Paul told Timothy, the things which thou hast learned to receive to me, the same commit thou unto faithful men. Not so they just hear it, but so that they could teach others also. They could teach others also. And they could teach others also. Listen, as a church, we do not intend to stop. You say, oh, I didn't really like that this year. Sorry. It's what the church is supposed to be. Yeah, but I like more, you know, this on Wednesday night, or I like more of this. Aren't you grateful that God designed the church not as like a, I mean, it's not Burger King. It's not have it your way, right? We don't, it's not Chipotle. I'll take some of that. I'll take some of that. If the word of God is being preached and faithfully preached and properly preached, then you ought to be here to hear the word. You got to let that word of God sink into your heart, even if, oh, but I'd rather this person do it. Or I'd rather, listen, don't miss the boat. You're missing the forest for the trees. The church is not a person. The church is Jesus, right? The church, we're striving to be in the image of Christ and bring him glory. Listen, we need an army of people who can take this word to the world. We're going out to Arvin at the end of the month, okay? The video announcements, forgive me, it says December 26th or 7th. It's, it's January, okay? Um, so I made that mistake. You'll hear it in the video announcements. But we're going out to Arvin at the end of the month. We need people who know how to take the word of God and share it with people. And if people get saved there and God opens up a door, we need somebody to stay. We need someone to do a work out there. And then we need to go to, to Africa or wherever God leads our church. We're going to Africa in the beginning of the year. We're going to do something else at the end of the year and send you. Again, my hope and intention is not to go every year or even every other year. My intention is to go learn it, come back and teach our church, and then equip you to go. Amen. And maybe never come back. You don't like me. No, no, no. I just love Jesus. And God designed the church to be 
to, to birth Christians who can birth Christians who can birth Christians. Listen, it's not just the pastor's job exclusively to feed you. You ought to go to a church where you're fed. I, I agree with that statement. But you ought to go to a church where you're equipped to do the work of ministry. Oftentimes we treat it so much like we're supposed to be sheep forever. I just show up, my pastor, he feeds me and helps me and encourages me. Those are all beautiful things. But if you're never challenged to do something for Jesus, you're not in the right church. And as a church, the church exists, yes, to feed the saints, but to equip them and send them. And there's powerful passages we walk through that talk about how will they preach except they be sent, right? That's the job of the church to send you, not just me, but to send you. I'm supposed to be here to train you to send you. And then you go somewhere else and train other people to send them. That's the goal and the way that God designed the church to multiply. It's how it works. So number two, we see the elevation of the word of God. Number one, we see the glory of God. Number three, the evangelization of the lost world. And so much of that is tied, right? If the word of God is preached, lost people get saved. It's just how it works. Isn't that cool? That you don't have to go and force someone to get saved. You just have to go and preach the word of God and he'll take care of the rest, right? How does Faith Baptist Church exist after 35, 34 years? Because the word of God's just being preached. God takes care of his people. When people hear the word of God, they can't help it, they respond. They get saved, they can't help it, they get baptized. They can't help it, they get discipled. And then something happens, right? Oftentimes. Man, I've been saved, I've been baptized, I've been discipled, I'm so excited. I'm a brand new Christian. And then all of a sudden we become professionals at it, right? And the messages no longer impress us. They no longer work in our heart. You know, like we couldn't wait to get to church. And now we're like, oh, is this over? Oh, pastor's got a back injury. We're getting out early today. Maybe. Or I just have to talk slower, (laughs) which I actually don't think is happening. I feel like I'm speaking faster this morning. Would you agree? Yeah, okay, good. Matthew chapter 28, verse 19. Look at it if you would. Oh, where'd my water go? Matthew chapter 28, verse 19. You'll recognize it. It's the Great Commission. Now, let me ask, who was the Great Commission given to again? Yeah, go ye, all of us. It's given to the church. He isn't calling lost people to go evangelize lost people. He's calling the church. And I won't spend too much time on this, but he isn't calling the extra biblical things we've created to go into all the world. I'm not saying I'm mad that they are. I'm saying we better be doing it because we're the ones he told to do it, right? If I told my, if I said, hey, Noah, I want you to clean, my, uh, clean, clean your bedroom. And if Carter and Emma hopped in and helped Noah clean his room, I'm a happy dad. But if Carter and, Noah, or Carter and Emma hop in the room and Noah doesn't, then I'm not happy. So I'm happy that Bible colleges are sending and, and uh, missions boards are sending. I'm fine if they jump in and help. But who did God tell to reach the world? He told the church that. That is not something we can outsource. That's not something we can give away. That's something we're exclusively responsible for. Pastor, why are we going to Africa? God told us that we are to reach the world. Notice the first word he says in Matthew 28, 19. Go ye, therefore, not just missionaries, but we are missionaries. We are evangelists. Go ye, therefore, and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Listen, God did such a work in our heart this last year. Please don't lose that as we go forward. Listen, God is, I think, and maybe you would say, yeah, but not for me. Well, then get, in, get on board. Fix your heart. There's a whole world of people to reach. There's plenty of people out there. You go, I'll send you. We'll help fund all of the missions projects. The, the fireworks booth and some of the funding that's come in is directed to help offset the expense of God's people. Again, not even the staff, God's people to go to the mission field, to go evangelize. Someone asked me like, what sightseeing are you doing? And I just said, lost people. <laughs> Honest conversation. 
lost people. I'm not going to go see the continent of Africa. I'm going to go see Mongu in Zambia. I think Mongu's in Zambia. I don't know my African geography. We're going to go see the lost people there because they need Jesus. Let's not lose that passion. Let's not let Satan distract us from that. Like I said, I believe God's going to open up a door. We just need to keep trying the doorknobs, right? And then we'll come back and try that doorknob again. And we'll try this doorknob and we'll see what God does. And again, you say, I thought we'd be there by now. Man, maybe I thought we'd be there by now, but that's okay. Just don't quit. Keep doing the job God gave us to do. And eventually, not, not only will we get to where maybe he wants us to go, but we'll hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. We're called to be faithful servants. Listen, global evangelism is the job of the church. That job belongs to us, the local church. And again, that idea, how shall they preach except they be sent? It is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. It is the job of the church to preach and to send. Listen, I'm still praying that God will raise up men and women, families, who are willing to take the gospel to around the world. And perhaps this last year, God was working in your heart about some of that. You may not have said anything, and man, you're kind of bashful, but you signed up for some things to try to learn. Keep doing that. I don't know where you're at. I don't know how long, but I know this. Position your life to be able to serve Jesus more this year. I don't know what that looks like for you. You might need to drop some hours. You might need to reemphasize this or focus on that. But position your life to make a greater effect for the cause of Christ than ever before. Why? Because it's your job. You will not get a reward in heaven for how well you did at your nine to five. No crowns in heaven for that. Now, you can make that have eternal value should you give it to Jesus, right? Uh, Again, providing for your own is part of being a believer, right? If you don't do that, you're worse than an infidel. It has eternal value. But nowhere in the Bible does it say when you get to heaven, he's going to say, well done, thou good and faithful carpenter. It's well done, thou good and faithful servant. How well did you serve Jesus? How much of an impact did you make with your life? Don't stop growing. God has a place for a prepared person. If you just go ahead and prepare, not knowing what tomorrow is, I never in my wildest dreams would have conceived that I would have been in Bakersfield. Today marks nine years I came. So for those of you who put up with me for nine years, round of applause, good job. Uh, I never would have, I didn't even, I had never been to Bakersfield. I'd driven through it on the way to Disneyland as a kid. But yet God, as you prepare, God has a place for you. Um, and we want to send you out. So let's grab a hold of those before we move forward. So we're getting to the, the fourth and fifth one, and these are faster. Faith Baptist Church exists to bring glory to God, to preach the word of God, to evangelize the lost. And again, one of my personal favorites, Faith Baptist Church exists to provide community, common unity for the saints of God. On one hand, we are supposed to be very outward focused in terms of evangelism. But as we said last week, fellowship is spiritual. They continued in fellowship, the Bible says, and in prayer and in doctrine, yes but fellowshipping with each other. Faith Baptist Church ought to be a place you call home. And you'd be like, yeah, but my home's not perfect. Is your home perfect? Like, where are you actually going to lay down tonight? Are the people in there perfect? Do they never get on your nerves? Does your spouse never say something that makes you unhappy? Does that ever happen? But that's your home. Those are your people. That's your tribe, right? God designed this to be a family too. He designed this to be a church home as well. We're supposed to care for each other. Ephesians chapter four, I'll just read it for you. Verse 16 says, for whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, working of every part, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. The design of your body is that every joint would be in place Every nerve wouldn't be pinched and all the needs would be supplied. 
You know, the Bible says that there be not schism among you, right? I can tell you what schism is right now. There's a schism going on in my lower back, having a hard time moving around. That's not the design of God in the church. God designed the body to be healthy, to be able to supply to every joint, that the whole thing works together uh, in, in symbiosis so that all parts get fed and all parts work collectively. Listen, the next quarter of 2024, talk to the staff about this just a little bit. I really want to lean into developing our fellowship. Um, I want us to be a close-knit body of believers. I want our children to be friends and our wives to be friends. I want to develop amongst the saints community like we've never had before. And listen, like I said in Sunday school, there's always going to be a difference between who we are and where we want to be, right? We want to be all these things. We want to reach the entire world. We're not there yet, but we should be striving for that. We should be striving together for the faith of the gospel. And listen, as much as I want to force our church to be this or drive our church or lead our church to be this, when it comes to like community, that doesn't happen from the pulpit. That happens in the pew. I can preach on community till I'm blue in the face. But if you never open up your house to bring someone in, it, are you confused why there's no community? If you're never making the visit or making the hospital visit or, or taking over food or you know, just going out with somebody, and then you're like, yeah, but nobody's friendly. Are you being friendly? Because the church is not friendly because the pulpit. The church is friendly because of the pew. The church doesn't have community because of the pulpit. The church has community because of the pew. Listen, I'm in the pew as well. I, I'm, I may be in the pew tonight. We'll see if Brother Hunters are up and ready for it. But the fact of the matter is, God designed the church to, to be a family, to have unity. Community is a powerful thing. And it's a directed assignment from our creator. Again, commonly shared unity. You know that unity matters to Jesus? It matters a lot to Jesus in the church. John chapter 17, verse 22 says this, Jesus is speaking. He says, and the glory which thou givest me, I have given them that they may be one, even as we are one. Think about the unity in the Trinity. I mean, there's not a molecule between it. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father, Jesus said. I mean, there's not a molecule of space between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And he says, as we are one, my desire is that the church, that they would be one. Unity matters to God. Satan has a desire to destroy that unity. Satan has a desire that we would be at each other's throats, gossiping and attacking. Satan wants us off mission, and here's why. A church off mission doesn't threaten the kingdom of darkness. A church spending its effort and its Sunday squabbling does not threaten the kingdom of darkness. But a well-unified, well-ordered army of saints under the headship of Jesus, well, that's a threat to his kingdom. We need to bolster and we need to guard our community in 2024. The last pillar of pursuit, we'll just spend a brief bit of time on. We said last year, and we'll assert this year as well, each and every Christian, the church exists to help each and every Christian go forward for the cause of Christ, to grow you and to disciple you. Listen, church exists, and your flesh isn't going to like this statement. I didn't like writing it, but it's true. The church exists to push you to uncomfortable levels of Christianity. And our flesh doesn't like that. The church exists to lead us into deeper faith, to lead us into, into more stringent obedience. The, 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 the church exists to push you and bring you and lead you and call you to provoke one another to love and good works. And if you can, and you will be able to, it's not very hard, you could find a church that you could sit in and every sermon is about your self-esteem. You could find a church that you could sit in And every sermon is about how God wants to prosper you. You could sit in a church 
And every single sermon is about how awesome you are and how you can make it. And here's who God says you are and you are valuable. And are any of those things necessarily wrong? No. But the church exists to make you more like Jesus and less like you. So you're probably not going to hear too often, hey, you're awesome, be you. Nope. Core tenant of Christianity is we are broken and depraved. We need to be less like us and more like Jesus. You do you is not in the Bible. You be like Jesus is in the Bible. And the church exists to constantly show you the image and mirror of Jesus in contrast to how you and I are living so that we might be conformed and transformed to the image of Jesus. Listen, the job of the preacher is to tell you what God said and what God expects and what God commands. And that's, a, that's on a collision course with our imperfect nature because what God says is perfect, perfect law of liberty. What I'm doing and what you're doing is not perfect. So if we put both of those in the same equation, something has to give which is why a lot of people go to watered-down churches because they want this gone and not this gone. If you go to the right church, what's going to happen is these two will come into conflict and the will of God is that we would change. Not that we would alter the book or forget it at home, but that the word of God would alter us. And listen, let me just say this. The, the express purpose of the church is, to, and the reason God gave pastors and evangelists and teachers is the perfecting of the saints. Why? For the work of the ministry for the edifying of the body of Christ. Well, I just want to go to a church where I can give and the staff does all the work. There's probably plenty of those, but a lot of work is probably not being done the way God said it. Because the real reality is this is not consumer. You don't come here and get fed and it's kind of like, you know, yeah, if I didn't like the service, I'm going to go somewhere else. That's not how family works, right? I mean, hopefully that's not how your family works, right? I didn't like the meal last night, honey. I'm moving out. Wow. A lot of people do that in church. Fact of the matter is the church exists to perfect you and me. Why? So we can do something with it. So that the world can see our good works and glorify our father, which is in heaven. So that we can go to Arvin and to Hatchapi and Lake Isabella and Taft and all these different places and bring the gospel of Jesus Christ so the gospel can go forward. Why? Because if Jesus is lifted up, he will draw all men unto him. It's how it works. And I've said this so many times, the church will work if the church will work. This next year, we want to go forward for the cause of Christ. Some of you are like, it's forward, isn't it? It's not, it's not. Close to our next theme, but we'll have to wait for next week for that. Let's go to the Lord in prayer.